Welcome back to Second Helping, the podcast of choice for fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network, joined by my great friend, co-host, longtime college football analyst for First Coast News down in Jacksonville, Florida, also a longtime voter in the race for the most prestigious honor in college football, that being, of course, the Heisman Trophy, the one, the only, Mr. Brent Beard. Brent, how are you doing on this Thursday, April the 13th, 2023? Well, I'm doing well. It's a, uh, after a the most recent birthday and a work anniversary and uh, daughters coming over in uh, uh, downsizing Brent Beard right now. Tra- Tra- Travis and I both have daughters who basically run our lives uh, <laughs> or, or Trav, they think they do anyway. Correct. Oh so, yeah. No, they do. Yeah. So uh, they basically uh, helped me just say purge uh, a little bit and Trev, it's probably going to be several weeks before I realize how much of my stuff is here and how much of it's gone. Yeah, we think of it as downsizing. They yeah. seem to think of it as right sizing, they call yeah. it. You know, they, yeah. they think they know what's right. And, That's uh, right. you know, more often than not, they are. They're accurate in that assessment. But a lot of college football talk, a lot to get into as we look ahead to a very busy weekend of spring games in the Southeastern Conference. We've had a couple, though, in our wake last weekend that we'll talk about as well. We still have uh, one or two coming up uh, here on the horizon on the weekend of the 22nd. Alabama, of course, with A-Day a week from Saturday. LSU, uh, certainly a big one coming up in a week and a half. And we also have Thursday night, I guess, spring game action yes. with the Florida Gators later this evening, Brett. Yeah, uh, Pop's team will mm-hmm. uh, be on the field. Uh, I'm looking forward to going. Um, hopefully the weather will cooperate. But we, we've got a uh, – and folks need to be uh, mindful of the schedule. We've got Florida's game uh, tonight, Thursday, April 13th. Tomorrow night, actually, outside the SEC, Miami has their spring game. Mm-hmm. And then on Saturday, we've got Arkansas, Georgia, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. Now, now Trav, you can read between the lines because you pick up on things like this pretty quickly. But people also need to realize the transfer portal begins April the 15th, mm-hmm. which is this weekend, and extends to April 30th. Two of the bigger teams, LSU and Alabama, don't even have games until next weekend. And Trav, there are, <laughs> there are uh, seven Division One schools that have got their spring game, including Oregon, Maryland, and Rutgers, not until April the 29th. So, uh, I'm just throwing out a little guess here. Trav, could could the coaches have been a little sly in, uh, in agreeing on this uh, transfer date in order to keep everybody in the fold to the last minute? Maybe, yeah. You know, it's interesting how coaches make those determinations as far as start dates for spring practice and how that culminates 
into their spring games because look at Missouri. I mean, Missouri has been done for almost a month now. That's right. The Missouri spring game was March the 18th. That's right. So uh, crazy, uh, sort of the uh, the varying nature uh, that you get with coaches and how they approach spring football. But we talk about Missouri being done for a month now. I wanted to ask you about a couple of teams that wrapped things up last weekend with their spring games. And that, of course, Starts with the Auburn Tigers, getting things going under Hugh Freeze as he approaches his first season at the helm. Down on the Plains, was it just me, Brent? You talk about the transfer portal. It almost felt like after that scrimmage, after that spring game, in some ways, Hugh Freeze was sending out the bat signal to quarterbacks out there that might be interested in taking over there uh, for the Tigers. Uh, Travis, he has not been shy at all, has he? Uh, about letting everyone know, particularly the beat writers for Auburn, that uh, he is looking into possibly expanding that quarterback room. Uh, by the way, I don't, I'll believe this when I see it, but he also said, Trev, that Philip Montgomery, the offensive coordinator, will be the primary play caller. Um, at, we'll, we'll wait and see about that, but... Uh, Robbie Ashford, uh, they're trying to um, – uh, a lot of people think he is the incumbent. Uh, obviously, T.J. Finley and the Grenier kid also in, is involved with this. Uh, but it, it is very obvious that he, he wasn't very pleased about uh, the quarterbacks over the spring. And Ashford basically, Travis, uh, made – kind of a comment of, well, if we bring someone else in, I may be out the door. So mm-hmm. uh, a lot of questions about this Auburn quarterback race. Yeah, I, I said it on a previous pod that we did. <laughs> Auburn's starting quarterback might be in Oxford, you know, or someplace like yes. that yes. Uh, as we look ahead. Because you look at the Ole Miss situation, uh, which we'll get into here in just a little bit, and uh looks like they've got a couple of SEC starter caliber types. They're only going to have one that is that guy uh, in Auburn with Hugh Freeze. And it also, let's take into account, a day at Auburn last Saturday. I mean, the weather couldn't have been worse, could it? Yeah. I mean, it, no. was, it was awful to the extent that I believe the kicker for Auburn, Alex McPherson, was pretty much the spring game MVP. Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So that now they ran the ball pretty well. You, you can certainly do that. 280 yards and 51 carries. But 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 Travis, I still say what they needed to do, they did, is they got some transfers on that offensive line mm-hmm. uh, because frankly, Gus Melzone and Brian Horst neither wouldn't or couldn't recruit offensive linemen. And people talk nonstop about the quarterback. But you and I have been, been in this business long enough to know, uh, Trev, if you can't block people and you can't tackle people at the point of attack, uh, it, your quarterback's not going to be as effective as he normally would. Yeah, once again, Auburn going through some transition on the defensive side of the ball with an emphasis on that front seven, right? And so yeah. uh, that's a concern, uh, I think, for Auburn in 2023, but uh, as far as running the football with Jarquez Hunter and, and having him, even with Tank Bigsby moving on to the National Football League, 
you still anticipate that being a strength of the Auburn offense. And I think you just need someone initially, at least, that can yeah. at least Bo Wallace that offense, right? Just <laughs> yeah. give them some Bo Wallace there early yes. on, and the Tigers will have a chance to, to be competitive in year one with you. Yeah, and, and look, they no one expects this team to – win the West in year one, but they do think that they would get off to a better start. And the Auburn beat riders will tell you, and I'm sure they've told you that uh, every practice trap, there were uh, probably 20 to 30 recruits there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so the, re- so frankly, uh, the recruiting for Auburn has been priority number one. And, and, and that's pretty smart on Hughes uh, efforts. Yeah, if you was able to recruit at a pretty much elite level during his time at Ole Miss, he's going to get players at oh, yeah. Auburn. It's just going to no, take that, a, a little bit of time in all likelihood. What about Vanderbilt uh, coming out of the spring? And uh, I think given the finish to the 2022 season, uh, ascending hopes for that team under Clark Lee and uh the quarterback situation, I, I was a little bit surprised, I guess. And this is, again, with the window opening back up, we'll see. Uh, but how Lee was able to sort of maintain the room as much as he did. Now, of course, Vanderbilt, as we know, had a key transfer out of that position uh, that stayed within the conference. But A.J. Swan back for his sophomore season. And uh, Ken Seals, at least for now, back, it appears, yeah. for another round. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they had a... Uh... 37 to 30 thing uh, in their spring game with one of these modified scoring systems. Defensively, CJ Taylor uh, ha- had a really good game. DeRicky Wright uh, also. Um, Drew Dickey, who played a little bit at quarterback, had a, he suffered a uh, pick six uh, with that. But they, they thought their defense last year was a real weakness, and they've spent a lot of the spring trying to get the defense going, A.J. Swan, who frankly, as you've talked about, is a, is a pretty decent quarterback, 9 of 16 for 115 yards uh, also. So, uh, I, look, I think Clark Lee said that they they got a lot of what they wanted to do uh, when, on, the, uh, on the field and during the spring. Uh, Ray Davis obviously is at Kentucky. Uh, with that, uh, Patrick Smith at running back, Cedric Alexander, Chase Gillespie, some names we not be real familiar right now. Uh, but all in all, I, I think they were pretty happy with what happened. And as we know, one of those rare week zero games that the Commodores yeah. have to get ready for is our Rainbow Warriors of Hawaii will visit <laughs> Nashville that's right. In late August. So uh, that'll be an interesting matchup once again. Boy, Vanderbilt absolutely hammered Hawaii in last year's season opener out on Oahu. And as we said, the quarterback room changing a little bit. Swan very much becoming the guy. Mike Wright moves out to uh, Mississippi State within the league. So uh, some interesting things to consider there with Vanderbilt. Let's get into some games that we're anticipating from a spring game perspective for the upcoming weekend. And we'll start with Arkansas. Uh, That game set for 1 p.m. on Saturday. Of course, all of these pretty much are SEC Network Plus. So if you're not into streaming, 
and you want to watch spring football scrimmages, including tonight's with the Florida Gators, uh, you better get the SEC Network Plus yeah. situation working for yourself. Uh, but Arkansas on Saturday, uh, what are we looking at there for the Hogs? Some key departures, I would say, as much on the defensive side uh, as anything else, but always nice to have a situation in which you return a quarterback with as much experience as the Hogs have behind center. And to put in a quick summary of Arkansas, they lost 25 scholarship players to the transfer portal. They brought in 11 transfers, nine that participated during the spring. They added 20 scholarship players, high school seniors, 12 of those participated in spring practice. I think the biggest move was Dan Enos is now, who was there before, Enos was with Alabama. He was at Miami. Then he was at Maryland for basically a, a, a little bit. And then now he's at Arkansas. So they've done a lot in that staff. Uh, Anthony Booker is, is their latest transfer defensive lineman from Maryland. This fits what you were talking about uh, a few minutes ago, Travis. They needed help there. And, and I thought another thing that, that was interesting was K.J. Jefferson, probably when he leaves after this year, will break a lot of the Arkansas records. Uh, but uh, to bring it more into focus, he's 16-9 and nine as a starter, five career losses of three points or less. Trev, I, I'm just wondering if he's, if he's 20 uh, and five or something like that as a starter, are we looking at him a little differently than we are at 16 and nine? Probably. And we're probably looking at Sam Pittman a little bit differently yes. too, yes. because as we talked about here on the podcast, uh, it kind of, kind of, uh, surprising, I'd say, uh, to, to hear and see some Arkansas fans on the heels of the 2022 season, talk about Sam Pittman as if he's on a hot seat of some sorts going into 2023. That's, Kind of hard for me to imagine, but, you know, we talk so much about the offensive side of the ball with Enos coming in uh, and Kendall Bryles moving on to TCU, mm -hmm. but it's sort of gone under the radar that, look, Barry Odom moved on as well. He did. Now the head coach at UNLV. So um, we, we haven't talked as much about Travis Williams coming in to run that defense for Arkansas moving forward. Uh, and that's going to be very important. Uh, and that that was a real problem for them last year. People may forget this, but they were uh, in the top 20 uh, in stats for their front seven. And, Trav, they were – you remember this? They, they were among the worst teams in the nation in the stats for that secondary. Awful. So, uh, yeah. so they're, they're hoping those can get better. So let's talk about the Florida Gators, who, as we have said, will conduct the orange and blue game on this Thursday, April the 13th. That's a 7.30 start at Florida Field, also SEC Network Plus. And I guess, Brent, like a lot of these teams we're going to talk about as we move through these spring game previews, uh, for Florida, it too starts at the quarterback position. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and they – and. And everything you hear is that Graham Mertz, 
Uh, has had a pretty decent spring. And look, Graham Mertz is not going to win the Heisman, but they wanted him. Um, and obviously he's got 38 touchdowns and 26 interceptions, which is a concern, through for 5,000 yards. So he's competing again against Jack Miller and Max Brown, who's playing uh, baseball too. So uh, that's been an interesting competition, but uh, pretty much everybody thinks Graham Mertz is going to be the guy. Had a chance to listen to uh, Billy Napier last week uh, on Monday. He was at the Clay County Gator Club, so we're able to go and hear him, and uh, he he was pretty positive what you expect uh, in a situation like that. But, but Trav, li- listen, th- this thing just like you said with Arkansas. To me, one of the real problems that they've got to fix immediately is this defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and obviously with Armstrong coming over from Alabama, they're really excited about what uh, Armstrong's going to be able to do uh, or they think he can do. But, but boy, the, the stat that just sticks out to me like a neon sign, Travis, they allowed five yards of carry last mm-hmm. year rushing – 100th in, in Division One football. Trevor, you're not going to win very many games allowing five yards of carry, are you? No, and it sort of flies in the face of the defensive tradition of that program, which we think so much about the fun and gun and the offensive prowess and the accomplishments of specifically quarterbacks in Florida football history. But, man, they've had guys like Wilbur Marshall that you can yep. go back to many, many years ago. Hell, if you're especially an old head, Go back to Jack Youngblood, right. Pops's era. Yeah, you know, yeah. go way, way back. But yeah, that's that's a surprise to see Florida struggle like that, especially in the front seven, where they have typically not only been very capable of recruiting at a high level, but then developing depth uh, at those positions as well. Getting back to quarterback, you know, I think it helps that you get Ricky Pearsall back at the one yeah. wide receiver position, Xavier Henderson back. I would think those would be two of your very top guys in that rotation. Uh, But Etienne at the running back position, I got to think in this offense, the way that Billy Napier likes to play offense could be a huge, huge year for Etienne in 2023. Uh, uh, Listen, he and Montreal Johnson, I think, are set up to have a, a really good year. They like the offensive line. Now, they've got some problems at tight end, uh, and, and w- with Keon Zipper, uh, and with that knee injury, I've heard he's going to be out maybe even for the year. Uh, they moved Dante Zanders from defensive end to tight end, and they've got some young guys that they like. But to your point, uh, and, and this is what Nap- Napier wants to do is this is not air raid. Uh, this is running the ball behind a solid offensive line and allowing your quarterback to what, Trav, do some play-action stuff. Uh, now, they need to bring in better quarterbacks and better receivers, and I think everybody understands that. But, uh, but look, if they, can get, if, they, if they can run the ball and that defense is improved, uh, that, may be, that may be better than that 6-7 and seven from last year. And an exception to the broadcast schedule, for SEC teams where spring games are concerned. Yeah. The back-to-back defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs set for G-Day on Saturday, 
4 p.m. from Sanford Stadium. That that scrimmage will air on ESPN2, so you don't have to have your streaming platform out for the dogs when they scrimmage on Saturday afternoon. And again, Carson Beck, the quarterback situation, uh, but also a team that I think defensively, uh, with maybe an, more of an emphasis on up front, looking to replenish in that area of the defense. Uh, the uh, Jalen Carter being gone is uh, is a, a big replacement that's going to have to happen. And they like Christian Miller and Tyrone Dawkins and Kirby loves Bear Alexander. Uh, he, he mentioned him a lot last year, and they've got some good uh, freshmen, Jordan Hall, Jamal Jarrett, Uh, Also, but it's not like they don't have uh, some holes. Obviously, the quarterback situation, we'll get in that in a minute. Uh, They're fine uh, in the running back room. Branson Robinson, we get a lot of work. We Kendall Milton out. Uh, Dejon Edwards is kind of limited uh, also. Uh, But, Trev, my question is, getting back to this quarterback situation, is Georgia a bit like Ole Miss that – yeah, you're now Kirby's not going to name a starter right now, but are they similar to Ole Miss in that your number three guy, whoever that's going to be, uh, maybe in that portal uh, this time next week? Yeah, that may be another that uh, Hugh Freeze has to choose from. Yeah, you know, between uh, perhaps Ole Miss and Georgia and a couple other programs might see some entrance. From the quarterback position, I, I do I do have a a bit of interest in that wide receiver position for Georgia yes. too. Obviously, Brock Bowers back at tight end, uh, just an amazing talent there. But Lad McConkey, then a couple of the transfers. Really interested to see Ra Ra Thomas coming over from Mississippi State. Dom Lovett coming in from Missouri. Real upgrades it looks like for Georgia on the outside. Travis, they, and this is an amazing stat, but they have not had a thousand yard receiver uh, since the early 2000s. Uh, and there is some thought uh, that uh, Dom Lovett may be able to do that. And yet they, they have not had a thousand yard receiver, Travis, since 2002. And with, with George Pickens and A.J. Green and uh, uh, Mikhail Hardman, uh, that's a stat that's hard to believe, isn't it? It is. That is pretty much hard to believe. So let's talk about Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels set to conduct. Uh, it's the Grove Bowl, right? And that, right. that one's called yeah. at Ole Miss uh, Saturday right. afternoon, 3 o'clock SEC Network. And we talk about the quarterback six situation. You would think Jackson Dart would be on solid footing, but here comes a very capable starter type from Oklahoma State and Spencer Sanders. Uh, they've got as good a quarterback room right now or, or as big a quarterback room as is about anybody uh, at this point. Uh, uh, the Howard kid who transferred from LSU, a lot of people think he's probably the future uh, of the program. And, and, and look, I'm, I know you probably figured this out too, but – uh, now, they've had some losses, haven't they, Travis, wide receiver? Uh, so they've got a Western Kentucky transfer uh, in Dayton Wade, who's got a lot of work, Jalen Knox. 
is a, is a guy that you, you remember he was at Missouri, caught 77 passes in three seasons there. So they're they're trying to get that room going again. They'll be fine uh, at 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 running back uh, with Jenkins back there. But all you know, all eyes right now. I think you're on two things. One is uh, is Lane comfortable now at Ole Miss? And there's been a lot of articles this week about how uh, he feels as good about being there as he ever has. We'll we'll see about that. Uh, but again, the the big deal is, uh, with, with it, as you mentioned, with the quarterbacks, the odd guy out there, uh, <laughs> he won't be in the portal very long, will he, Travis? No. And Spencer Sanders has a little bit of a Jeremiah Masoli feel yeah. to him. Remember Masoli came in yes. from Oregon years ago as a transfer to Ole Miss? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see how that works out at the quarterback position for the Rebels. Um, you know, I think that the situation in terms of the run game can certainly be a positive because uh, you bring back Quinshawn Judkins, who was just tremendous as a true freshman. So even though Zach Evans moves on to the National Football League, still a chance for really Lane to do what he wants to do first and yes. foremost. As much as he's known for quarterbacks and you know drawing up ball plays in the passing game. Uh, first and foremost, he wants to run that football. He does. And it, I, I, Judkins is a, a very good option with whom to do that with. Mississippi State coming up on Saturday as well at 1 o'clock on SEC Network Plus. Uh, not as much of a question about the quarterback situation with Will Rogers back for another season, but with Zach Arnett taking over for the late uh, Mike Leach, I think just the approach to offense in general is something a lot of us are interested in checking out with the Bulldogs moving forward. I think the thing that I want to see there would be uh, uh, what they're really going to do with the running backs as far as the running game is concerned. And they've been very uh, open about that the running backs are going to be more involved actually running the football as they instead of what they were under Mike Leach. I don't think they're that they're getting rid of the entire air raid. They'll still have a little bit of that, but but they're definitely going back to more of a balanced offense and trying to run the ball. You know, with Arnett, the defense is going to be good, uh, and I, I don't doubt that. Now, they did lose Mark, Marquez Dorch, one of their wide receivers. Uh, he's in the portal now too. But uh, uh, Ole Miss will get the attention. But that Mississippi State situation is is one to watch uh, to see what uh, uh, how that new coaching staff, or at least some of it's new, uh, is going to, uh, to try to put their uh, their fingerprint on the program too. Yeah, defensive guy, as we know, uh, and Zach Arnett. And when I look at Mississippi State's front seven, especially. Pretty encouraging, I'd say, yeah. on that side. And you start with that defensive front. You've got some old dudes up there in Crumity and Pickering and Davis. And then, you know, some linebackers that are quite capable as well, starting in the middle with Nathaniel Watson. Jet Johnson's played a lot of football uh, at the linebacker position for State as well. Yeah, and look, they they are going to uh, – uh, 
I think that's a school that people right now really don't know what to do, what what to do with in the West, and that's their problem is playing in the West. Uh, so, uh, but the uh, the Arkansas and the Mississippi State and the Ole Miss uh, will certainly make make it an interesting year once again. Yeah, we've got South Carolina set for its spring game Saturday night. That's a seven o'clock start Eastern on SEC Network Plus. Uh, let's talk about the Gamecocks, and I guess positivity once again given the way that team finished the season even with the Gator Bowl loss with Notre Dame I mean you talk about wins over Tennessee and Clemson to close out a campaign uh, that's about as good as it gets for Shane Beamer and a guy that played really well down the stretch and Spencer Rattler making the decision to come back for another year that was a bit of a surprise to me but a, a pleasant one at least I would say for uh, Carolina well, one thing I learned from you years ago is people remember how you end the season a whole lot more than how you uh, start the season. And the last two years with Beamer, they've ended November well, haven't they, Travis? Uh, and, and that's what people remember about them. And they've had some guys stand out in the spring. Joshua Simon, who is a Western Kentucky transfer, left tackle Jalen Nichols. They like. They also like Eddie Lewis who is a Memphis transfer, and they really like this freshman linebacker, Pup, P-U-P, Howard. Goodness. Jacksonville guy. That's yeah. right. That's right. 6'4", 242, and also Boogie Huntley, uh, who's a defensive tackle, and, and, and that's really where they need uh, a, a lot of help uh, along that line, too. So, I, look, uh, they're going to be a – a, a fascinating team to watch and to see if they can take uh, uh, really the next step up uh, as they go. But, but one of the, uh, to me, one of the more amazing stats for South Carolina, they have not had a quarterback drafted since the NFL draft went to seven rounds. Boy, that is a long time, isn't it? That's a while. There's no doubt about it. I'll tell you who else they get back this season. Dak Joyner, who yes. it feels like has been around since the Spurrier era, you know, and I <laughs> yeah. see here where yeah. he's working with the running backs even now, Dak Joyner. So it's a guy who you think about a former Gamecock and Debo Samuel, uh, Dak Joyner brings some of that to yeah. this Carolina offense. Uh, a multi-purpose guy where they can use him in a lot of different places. Now, now, now Trav, the reality is uh, uh, they need about five guys just like that instead of just one, right? <laughs> I need a few. Well, yeah. there's a reason why they're doing all that with Dak. It's because they don't have enough of them. That's exactly you know, you start right. start spreading yeah. guys across three or four different positions. Uh, you're trying to cover for some holes. But, hey, give Shane Beamer and his staff some credit for some personnel creativity, as yes. we like to call it. Tennessee on Saturday, that's a 2.30 kick or a 2.30 start from Neyland Stadium. The Vols, one of those teams going through transition at the quarterback position, although it's a previous starter in Joe Milton who looks to be in a good spot to replace Hendon Hooker behind center for the Volunteers. He does, and they're also bringing along, and I may not be pronouncing it right, this Lama Leva uh, kid that they really like. yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that may be... Uh, again, the future of the program. 
Now, the offensive line returns Cooper Mays, who obviously is one of the better centers around uh, in the SEC and in that running back room. Uh, they've also got some guys uh, that they like. Dylan Sampson has stepped up. Jabari Small has had a bit of a, a shoulder situation. Brew McCoy is out at, at wide receiver after uh, uh, getting his shoulder worked on. Uh, but he'll be fine. Obviously, they lose Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, so they've got a lot to replace uh, uh, in that situation. Uh, the defense has been more impressive, and they've got to be. I mean, Travis, last year they allowed uh, a, a situation where 50 uh, – on first and second down, they were really good on defense. On third down, they allowed uh, the opposition – to convert over 50% on third down, you can't do that, uh, and and be able to uh, to win games like you want to. But there's still a lot of uh, of real talent here, and I know this is a sidelight because we cover things like this. I wanted to mention it in passing here. Keep your eye on the three day hearing, April 19th through 21th in Cincinnati with Tennessee. And the NCAA, where uh, very likely Jeremy Pruitt will get his day in court, shall we say, uh, with that uh, in the situation that uh, obviously went went sideways. He certainly wants the rest of his money, uh, and uh, that that's going to be a very interesting situation to watch. Yeah, I get the sense that Jeremy may get the worst of that in comparison to his previous employer. Yeah. Uh, we'll see yeah. how it goes. I think that's the certainly the hope for Tennessee is that the the negativity is cast largely towards Jeremy, which would yes. entail lighter uh, penalties for the balls and potentially uh, with cause in terms of its firing of uh, Jeremy being validated and hence not owing him at least uh, a large portion of that buyout that he was due uh, upon his firing. But as for on the field, man, what about Squirrel White? This has got to be Squirrel White season <laughs> coming up on Saturday because, yeah. uh, as you said, Brew McCoy out after surgery, uh, a couple of those uh, receivers from last year, Tillman and Hyatt, as you outlined, no longer around. I'm ready to see some Squirrel White to go along with those uh, <laughs> with those quarterbacks on Saturday up there in uh, East Tennessee. So should be fun for the Vols. Texas A&M, speaking of fun, speaking mm-hmm. of intrigue, wow, how about that dynamic with Bobby Petrino joining the staff there with Jimbo Fisher. Uh, Jimbo sort of asked about the direction of the offense here a week or so ago. Uh, didn't seem to want to speculate or get too in depth on exactly how that dynamic's going to work moving forward. But, you know, when you look at the quarterback position, there's still plenty for those guys to work with. Oh, yeah. Goodness gracious. Uh, there really is. Connor Wiegman uh, is going to be the guy. And they've got, uh, it, 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 you called attention to this a few months ago. Do they have as good a receiver's trail as just about anybody in the league? Uh, frankly, with Anaya Smith and Moose Muhammad, Evan Stewart. Now, those guys are limited in the spring because of one one thing or another. Uh, but and, and listen, what was a real surprise was 
one of their starting offensive linemen, Matthew Wyckoff, is in the transfer portal. That doesn't mean that he's going. He may just be um, uh, maybe some kind of disagreement. Don't know. Uh, but I, I thought that was significant for them, particularly if he uh, uh, if he goes. And the 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 A&M beat writers, Travis, calling that uh, uh, press conference with Jimbo Fisher a few weeks ago. He <laughs> was pretty combative in that press conference. Contentious. Travis, yeah, it felt <laughs> contentious. Yes. In that yeah, room you know, with Jimbo. You know, I'm interested in the quarterback deal because I know Jimbo going into the spring, for what it's worth, said that this was an open battle between Connor Wiegman and Max Johnson. You talk about roster management. I'm going to go ahead and throw Max Johnson into that pool of potential Auburn quarterbacks for 2023. You want to go ahead and throw him in that mix, too, with maybe Spencer Sanders and one of the Georgia backups. Go ahead and throw Max in that pot while we're at it. Yeah, I would too. And and my understanding is that the A&M beat writer told us Travis that Bobby Petrino has been the one that's been um, businesslike, and and they've heard his voice more than they've heard Jimbo Fisher's. Now Jimbo kind of cut loose in their most recent practice, uh, and let everybody know that. Uh, as he said, he wanted them to run it again on offense, is mm-hmm. what he said. So, uh, again, uh, that that marriage in the fall will uh, garner a lot of attention. Absolutely. And, you know, again, as we look ahead to a week from Saturday, still got Alabama and LSU out there on the horizon, Brent, and some interesting questions for both those teams, I think maybe in some different ways. Uh, LSU obviously doesn't have a quarterback situation to figure out with Jaden Daniels back. Alabama certainly does with Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson in that mix. So uh, we should have plenty to talk about next week as well. We're not going to have a Kentucky spring game to talk about. No, no. uh, Three out of four years, Kentucky has not had a spring game, which is disappointing. Travis, let me throw something out. Uh, and I'll credit this where it's due. Um, uh, Matt Moscano, who is in uh, New Orleans, does a lot of radio, which talking about LSU, and he brought he mentioned three things that really caused me to raise an eyebrow. Number one, he said that after spring practice, LSU may make a real charge at Bo Davis. Uh, who has certainly been linked with Alabama coming back eventually, who is now at Texas, and mm-hmm. and said, and, and this is a guy you mentioned before, Mason Smith, the defensive lineman. Can be a monster. In the first game, uh, frankly, the first series last year against Florida State, mm-hmm. uh, he said, uh, uh, Moscano said, LSU people told him, Trev, that – that Mason Smith is the best player on the team, not the defense, Travis, the whole team. Wow. So, so having him back uh, is, is just amazing. And also said uh, that they, they're replacing the entire secondary, but that, that this year's secondary will be better than last year's secondary. See, that scares me, though, about LSU, because when the talk is typically like that yeah. in the offseason, it doesn't always meet up with it. But I can see it with Smith, man. 
Yeah. And that's saying something yeah. because you still have Harold Perkins. That's right. On that defense yeah. and that football team. So, but I can see that because coming out of high school, that guy was, you know, Smith was a five star in his own right. And oh, yeah. he plays a position close to the football. And uh, if you're truly a dominant player, you're going to show up quickly in that role. And I would expect that to be the case for him early on in the 2023 season. Well, Brent, anything else before we get out of here? Uh, we'll get into this a little bit more later on, but the, uh, uh, the big 10 has a new, uh, commissioner, uh, and they brought him over from the TV side of things. Uh, Tony Petiti, uh, he was with major league baseball network and also CBS replacing Kevin Warren. If people have not, uh, heard that at this point. And again, I'll repeat that the transfer portal begins on April the 15th and runs through the 30th. So uh, there'll be a lot of things for, for Travis and I to be looking at over the next few days. But again, a a slew of spring games going on uh, this weekend that will be fun to catch up with. And then we've got, uh, as Travis mentioned, Alabama and LSU will wrap it up next week. Uh, and that, uh, again, Trav, believe it or not, uh, we're about six weeks away from that first preseason magazine as of today. How about that? The countdown is on. And you know how <laughs> I know that my daughter is the director of recruiting for a Division One football program these days? <laughs> I asked her how she was doing the other day, and she said, well, just getting ready for the portal to open back up. That's right. Up. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, That's okay. the discussions I have now with my, my daughter <laughs> uh, when it comes to updating her status. But uh yeah, it, it's nonstop, and we certainly look forward to talking about it again right here on Second Helping real, real soon. Brent, always a lot of fun, man. Me too, Trav. Enjoy it, and we, we will talk soon. Brent Beard headed down to Gainesville for that orange and blue game on Thursday. So what we'll boots on the ground coverage of that one for you. The next time we re- reconvene right here. On Second Helping, the podcast of choice for fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate football, collegiate athletics, really, the Southeastern Conference. For Brent Beard, Travis Ryder, thanking you once again. Until next time, so long, everybody.